Hello, this is Dr. Dan Guerra coming to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the Inland Pacific Northwest. Today is the 4th of August, 2019, and this is the um, second segment in a discussion of the regulation of Treg cells in the acquired or adaptive immune response in humans. We've already introduced uh, the topic briefly in the short segment that is exactly um, proximal to this one. And hopefully you listen to that and listen to my uh, request that you go ahead and subscribe to my podcast. So I'm not going to go about it, uh, discussing that any further. What I'm going to do is jump right into the discussion. So here it is. So again, this is Authentic Biochemistry. My name is Dr. Dan Guerra. And today we're going to talk about T-regulatory cells. Now, for you to know what that's about, um, I want to do some background. First of all, I want to talk about lymphoid cells and tell you that they are complex in their der derivation and derivatization from precursor cells and naive cell sets, but they also can interconvert. So that is a direct lineage of one cell to another, which used to believe, be believed to be uh, sacrosanct, almost apodictic, in its vectorial direction is not necessarily so. And we even talked about how the innate immune response has cells that look a lot like cells that are in the T helper class in the lymphoid line. In fact, there are innate lymphoid cells and not just natural killer lineage, other kinds of cells too. And I talked about, I will talk about those three classes. So I just want to give you the uh, global understanding that lymphoid cells are a major component of the human immune system. And so let's talk first about them. Uh, we're not really going to talk too much about the adaptive immune response uh, because that's not the topic of uh, these segments. I have talked about it, not exhaustively, but uh, penetratingly in other authentic biochemistry podcasts where I talked about hepatocellular carcinoma, for example. And I also talked about it at great length in my Vera Med video lectures for the last uh, two years now. So I suggest you take a look at those videos or listen to the other um, authentic biochemistry if you want to hear about uh, innate cells per se. So lymphoid cells, complex, and they can interconvert. Um, here's uh, some discussion about them from a paper published in Cell Reports, Cell Reports Volume 10, published on March 31st, 2015. Uh, so it's a few years old. And the page for this, for this reference that I'm using right now is page 2043 and ongoing. Journal again is Cell Reports. So what do we learn from this paper? It tells us that the adaptive immune system arose late in evolution. We know this because lower invertebrates don't have it. And it consists of B and T lymphocytes. And they express recombining antigen-specific receptors. So recombining means that the genes that code for the transcripts, the RNA, that are ultimately translated to the polypeptides, which are for T lymphocytes, the T cell receptor, or TCR, and for B lymphocytes, the immunoglobulin classes, of which there are several. Uh, the other word for those immunoglobulins, of course, is antibody. All of those proteins are made by recombination, homologous recombination of segments of DNA that recombine various domains 
first of all, elements in the DNA, and then uh, elements in the RNA, and then protein domains that can be swapped around in such a way, and with multiple series of recombinatorial efforts, such that it can make, the system itself can make um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of possible combinations of the T-cell receptor and of the immunoglobulin classes, so that any given antigen or pathogen or parasite or tumor cell that presents antigens could potentially be recognized and defeated by this repertoire of proteins that are synthesized by a homologous recombination mechanism in the T and B cell lineages. It's a, an amazing amount of biochemical pathway um, that is used just directed towards the immune response in an acquired motif. Because remember, B and T cells deal with acquired and specific immunity. So you have this recombining antigen-specific receptor. So naive and T B cells are activated by their co cognate antigen. Okay, there's an antigen presentation from a professional antigen-presenting cell, like a macrophage or like a dendritic cell. Uh, and then there's a secondary lymphoid organ in which they undergo significant cell selection and cell division and cell differentiation. The cognate antigens are self-antigens to teach these populations of lymphocytes to not go after self. Now, autoimmune diseases happen because the T cells, not necessarily that they're automatically recognizing host antigens. It's the fact that they're no longer regulated, and so they become hyperactive. And that has to do with pro-inflammatory responses and pro-inflammatory cytokines and signaling with chemokines and trafficking of not just uh, T and B lymphocytes, but neutrophils and dendritic cells, et cetera. A lot more discussion I want to get into right now. But anyway, there's cognitive antigen and going, going on in the secondary lymphoid organs where there's, uh, there's a cell selection, a cell division, and differentiation. Ultimately, those T and B cells exert their effector function, which means that's how they go to work. In contrast now, the innate lymphocytes display a rapid effector function that is nonspecific, usually. Then despite their set of limited germline encoded receptors, they still nevertheless carry out the first line of defense. Now, for probably 30 years, there's a class of cells called natural killer, and they're recognized as innate lymphocytes. So they come from the lymphocyte lineage, and they act like lymphocytes. They have similar receptors on their membrane surfaces. They have similar single transduction pathways as other lymphocytes, but they are part of the innate armamentarium. But recently, even though we've known about NK cells for a long time, additional innate lymphocytes have been discovered. And they were considered to be part of a family of effector cells collectively named, this isn't so profound or creative, innate lymphoid cells or ILCs. Now, ILCs have a lymphoid morphology, but they lack a rearrange, rearranging antigen receptor but they're abundantly present at the mucosal surfaces, for example, at the enteric lamina propria. Okay, good place for them, right? 
The expression of lineage-specific transcription factors within those cells and discrete cytokine profiles, which are excreted and which, of course, are used as ligands for receptors, led actually to the identification of three distinct ILC subsets, and they have striking parallels to uh, a very similar T-helper cell lineages. The main ILC groups are killer cells, like the natural killer cells, but they also have helper-like ILCs, including ILC classes 1, 2, and 3. Group 1s, or ILC1s, resemble Th1, natural helper cell T lymphocytes, and they include the natural killer cell lineages and other interferon gamma-producing innate effectors. So ILC class 1s are shown to depend on Tbet, IL-7, and IL-15 as regulatory components for their differentiation to terminal, terminal production. Group 2 ILCs are different, but they're similar to, IL, to uh, TH2 cells. ILC2s are ROR, gamma-delta, and GATA-3 dependent. Those are transcription factors. ROR, gamma-delta, is actually a retinoic acid orphan receptor lineage that works in the DNA. It's a DNA receptor-mediated transcription factor. Yep. Okay, GATA3X similarly. They also are IL-7-dependent, these ILC2. So they're interleukin-7 dependent. And what they produce is interleukin-5 and interleukin-13. One of my favorite cytokines is interleukin-13. I've talked about it at great length and lots of other papers and internationally and nationally. I just think interleukin-13 is a very cool cytokine. I like the number two, of course. At any rate, you make these ILCs. Remember, these are innate lymphocytes from something called a common helper-like innate lymphoid cell, or CHILP. I know it's terrible. But uh, anyway, there's a transcription factor that's necessary in that lineage, and it's called NFIL3. So I want you to remember that. I'm not going to tell you what the acronym means right now because there's too many definitions being thrown out. But there's a very important transcription factor that has to be in place in these common helper-like basically precursor innate lymphoid cells, these CHILP cells, that turn into interleukin-like um, uh, cells, which then give rise to the lineage of the three ILC classes. Cytotoxic ILCs like natural killers, uh, and then the ILC2, and then the ILCL3, of which there's at least three subsets of those. At least they have unique membrane-associated receptors on three different lineages of the ILC3 fraction. Yep, okay. So, more on ILC3s. This is from a paper published this year in a journal called Cell and Disease, Cell Death and Disease, excuse me. This is from volume 10, and it's from article number 315. It's all online now. A lot of these journals are publicly published online free, actually. What does this paper from Cell Death and Disease tell us about ILCs? Three, class three. First of all, they express, and I already mentioned this to you, the retinoic acid receptor, or RAR, related orphan receptor. So we now call that ROR, or ROR, and then the gamma T is the final molecular signature for that class. Now, because you, you have other RAR, orphan receptor mediated responses that are of the gamma T subclass. Okay, so just so you know. They have, these cells, ILC3s, have signature cytokines, what are they? 
Well, of course, there are IL-22 and IL-17. You say, wait a minute, IL-17 or Lucas 17 isn't there a T-helper class called TH-17s and they produce a lot of IL-17? My answer is, you betcha. So when you hear of a specific cytokine, we tell you it's produced by TH-17 cells. That doesn't mean it's the only cell that will produce IL-17, okay? So don't think that these things are just discrete and that they're owned by specific cellular subsets. They are not. But when they're produced by specific cellular subsets, they react differently because they're in a different molecular cellular environment. Hence, that there's an interaction between the environment, intracellular, the genetics, and the immunoepigenetics of the system. So they follow into the paradigm I've been generating in a lot of my talks called the dia event ontological paradigm, which has to do with looking at systems in biology as event ontologies, that's number one, that can be described dialectically, that is by generating theses, antitheses, and syntheses before you ever get started from the primary literature. And the third component of that, of course, is the fact that they are ontological species, that is that you can study them as existing as true and justified and believable systems in nature. They follow, therefore, the epistemological judgments you have to make so they know that they are, as far as science is concerned, they're really there, right? All right. So uh, these ILC3s produce IL-22 and IL-17. Fetal ILC3s, or lymphoid tissue inducer cells, which are basically naive ILC3s, are required for lymphoid orgogenesis. How about that? While postnatally, the developing ILC3s in humans are important for the generation of intestinal cryptopatches and isolated lymphoid follicles, as well as for the defense against pathogens and epithelial homeostasis. All of that can be read from the cell death and disease paper. And originally, if you want to know originally where that came from, the European Journal of Immunology in 2015 published in August of that year, um, and that would have been volume 45, page 2171 and ongoing. So I like to give you the references, obviously, because I think that that is like of utmost important. So now group three innate lymphoid cells, the ILC3s, are responsible for GI mucosal homeostasis. So you hear a lot about microbiomes. Well, besides the microbiome, you have an Im immuno... Um, an immunological biome that exists in the gut. And now we're starting to describe it, okay? And that has to do with lymphoid subclasses and epithelial cells that line the gut, okay? So anyways, ILC3s are responsible for GI mucosal homeostasis through a moderate generation, okay? That it means a basal level production of IL-22 and 17 and the GMCSF, okay? Those are what are being synthesized in the physiological state. So they're acting as a surveilling lymphoid immune system. Yes, organizing the microbiome. So you see, the microbiome doesn't work alone. The microbiome is being regulated, always being regulated by the immune system. Okay? And this is a component of it, and this is the gut. So, it, it, of course, ILC3s are found elsewhere. So ILC3s 
contribute to the progression and aggravation, this is why they were first really discovered, of the inflammatory bowel diseases. Like what? Like ulcerative colitis and like Crohn's. Right. And they do so because there's a dysregulation of the receptors associated with ILC3s. The receptor is called NCR. So when you're NCR plus ILC3, they function with a bias towards generating or converting to ILC1 glasses. Yeah. So you see the the in, uh, the immune lymphoid cell lineages, innate immune lymphoid cell lineages, the ILCs, can interconvert. Now, that means that whatever functions ILC does, ILC1 does versus ILC3, now starts to blur. It doesn't really blur. It's surely crystal clear in the system. They blur just in our nomenclature, don't you know? Of course, that's how science always is. We name these things, then we'll figure out better names once we understand the plethora of functions that might uh, conduct in the cell and in the system. So anyways, under the stimulation of IL-12, a different cytokine, which is generated by CD14 dendritic cells, and as well as regulatory ILC dysfunction, you can actually generate a pathological state where these slow-rolling ILC3s making a little bit of IL-22 and 17 and GM-CSF, not making, not making boatloads of that because they've been converted to an ILC1 lineage by the induction of IL-12, uh, which is generated from the CD14 dendritic cells. There you go. Now, the dysregulation of ILC3s, that would be all that dysregulation there, results then, this is what results from it, Okay, that was the predicate. Now, what happens afterwards? An overexpression of other of those same inflammatory cytokines, 22, 17, and now also interferon gamma, because they're see they're acting like ILC1s. I told you ILC1 signature is interferon gamma. And in which IL17 can recruit neutrophils from the blood to disrupt. Now check this out. E-cadherin and junctional adhesion molecule-like molecules, or JAMLs, and that leads to enhancement of epithelial permeability, all that in the gut. So that's not good when ILC3s convert to ILC1s, and you get this production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. You also get the production of this JAML, this molecule, which basically causes epithelial permeability. That causes then the crypts in the the crypt cells in the in the uh, uh, small intestine to start to leak. Very dangerous stuff. A lot of new antigens out there. A lot of new microbiomes are generated. Pro-inflammatory. What do you get? Inflammatory bowel disease. That's right. So ILC3 to ILC1 plasticity is, however, reversible. Reversible in the presence of IL23 and IL1 beta, actually. So now those are acting as signaling molecules to push the ILC1 lineage back to ILC3. So they're now responsive to retinoic acid, which is being generated by the CD14 dendritic cells. Amazing, right? Feedback regulation, just as you would hope. Now, from a paper published in Frontiers in Immunology in September of 2015, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Treg cells. 
So we've talked about these innate lymphoid cells. We've talked about um, the whole lineage of T helper cells to some degree. We talked about T regs a little bit. Now I'm going to tell you more about T regs because it's a T reg story, believe it or not. I know that sometimes I carry on and on and on and you say, what is he talking about? Where are we going with this? Remember, this is a story about T regulatory cells, but you need to understand all of the lymphoid cells of which T regs are just one subset uh, so that you get what's really going on. You need the full development of the understanding. You need the diet event ontological perspective. Of course you do. All right. That's what you get here at Authentic Biochemistry. Now, from Frontier's Immunology, September 2015, you get this. Regulatory T cells, which is called T regs, via their immune suppressive capability, because that's what they do, play an indispensable role in maintaining immune homeostasis. Yeah, that's right. They prevent autoimmunity. They do it by, uh, they do it by controlling autoimmunity, which was otherwise induced by, okay, where do you get autoimmunity? Excessive or misdirected or mutated or unnecessary immune activation. Yeah. So you get a pro-inflammatory response. It becomes hyper-inflammatory. You get inflammasomes, and you don't have control. You lose the controlling mechanism of it. T-Regs are supposed to kick that back, kick that down. And, in fact, they're turned on to do just that. So there's surface-expressed cytotoxic T-lymphocyte-associated antigen, or CTLA-4, which is actually a target of checkpoint inhibitors. Antibodies to that will prevent... T cells from not being activated, you see? So in cancer research, you're trying to knock down CTLA-4. It's because CTLA-4 is the T lymphocyte-associated antigen 4, see, TCLA-4, that is bound by, on the surface, to the T regulatory cell, which is a cell-cell contact, which turns down the normal T helper cell response. See, that's what naturally occurs. So T-reg cells can also induce, by the way, T-cell activation and proliferation through the CD39, CD73 mediated production of metabolic adenosine, a purine nucleotide. While T-reg cells have also been shown to harbor direct cytotoxic capability, and then thus they induce a target cell, apoptosis, programmed cell death, through release of granzyme A, B, and perforin. They poke holes in the T cell and they kill it that way. See, remember, T regs are tuning down, shutting down the T lymphocyte-associated inflammatory response, acquired immune response. So anti-inflammatory cytokines are also secreted by T regs and they can induce immune tolerance, right, or immune suppression. Now, under pathogenic conditions, such as systemic lupus arrhythmia, Arrhythmatosis, SLE for short, and MS or multiple sclerosis. T regs exhibit plasticity to some extent, and they can, in fact, sometimes even mimic T helper like phenotypes, which means that they're causing inflammation, or at least they're no longer inhibiting the hyper inflammatory response. You see what I'm saying? You see how that works? So the next obvious question should be. Um, is, okay, so now we know about T-regs, how are they generated, and how are they regulated? Two really important things, two different things, two disparate things. So this comes from 
uh, what I'm talking about now comes from Experimental Molecular Medicine, that journal, volume 51, article number 80, published this year. It's one of the key papers we're going to be talking about here, okay? So I want you to understand that all the things I discuss are coming from papers that are in the literature, and I'm giving you all these references, right? All right. Experimental Molecular Medicine, volume 51, article number 80, published this year, 2019. So, what about T-Regs? Boom, let's go. CD4 T cells, they express a CD4 uh, um, membrane antigen on their surface, play key roles in acquired lymphoid immunity. They do it by orchestrating cytokinogenesis. Now, I don't think that's the word that's in the literature, but it is now because I'm putting it there. Next time I post paper, I'm going to use the word cytokinogenesis. What does that mean? The generation of cytokines, nonspecific, any cytokine. Okay. Now they do it while differentiating the CD4 T cells into their mature cellular lineages. What are those mature T cell lineages? You already know. Th1, Th2, Th17 effector cells, and then Tregs. All of that is controlled via T cell receptor activation because they're T cells and they have TCRs. I didn't say VCRs, I said TCRs. Each CD4 lineage expresses a suite of unique transcription factors. This is what's going to be controlling the expression of genes intracellularly, intranuclear, within each of those T-cell subset lineages. Got it? Good. So those CD4 lineages are going to express a suite of unique transcription factors that drive to terminal differentiation in those different subclasses. Those include, but they're not limited to, Tbet, for, as a transcription factor for Th1 cells. They go on, and what do they do, Th1 cells? They go on to clear intracellular pathogens by inducing the transcription of the interferon uh, gene. Okay, that's one of the main ways they get started. Similarly, Th2 cells expressing interleukin 4, 5, and 13, those are my favorite cytokine, except for maybe 17. In response to helminths, the parasite helminths, use the, two, use the Transcription factor GATA3, while Th17 cells express that ROR gamma T, remember that's the retinoic acid or from receptor gamma T, as a lineage determining factor, and they produce cytokines, the Th17s, yeah, interleukin 17A, interleukin 17F, interleukin 22, and they're all regimented to eliminate extracellular bacteria and fungi. Of course they are. But there are dark sides to T cell activation including a Th17 autoimmune-mediated multiple sclerosis and a disease that affects a lot of people, particularly athletes, rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, So when you have an overextension of the Th17 class, that's really bad because it can lead to autoimmune diseases. And that's something we've noticed for a long time. Okay, All right. Now, that can all be blocked by Tregs. So Tregs will tank, stop, slow down, differentiation and proliferation of effector T cells. I told you how they did it. And they'll downregulate, therefore, ultimately, inflammation, therefore checking autoimmunity and, as a special bonus, the allergic responses. So we're going to stop there because I've gone up, I've almost used up my 30 minutes, and 30 minutes is how long I let these anchors run. And we're going to continue on with the next segment. We're going to get really 
in deep detail with the T-Rex. So this is Dr. Dan Guerra on the 4th of August, 2019, saying from Authentic Biochemistry, bye for now.